How are, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Good. So you're 102? 102. Wow. So yeah. when's your when is your birthday? Uh, March. March 9th, 1917. Okay. okay. So you're just recently 102. Mm. Recently 102 then. Yeah. So, um, we were talking a little bit about it just now, but, um, so where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up in, uh, Pennsylvania, a little town along the Allegheny River, uh, Sharpsburg. I grew up in Sharpsburg, yeah. Okay. And, um, how old were you when you, uh, joined the military? Uh, 24. I was... In fact, I was older than most of them. They were 18, 19 year olds. I was now 24. Yeah. Uh, the wife was uh, pregnant, and uh, I was only in the service a week before they gave me an emergency leave to go home. She was having a hard time having a baby, so. I got my furlough right away. Yeah. So how long were you uh, gone there before you um, went back? Huh? How long were you, you gone on that leave before you uh, went and rejoined? Exactly. Right. How, how long were you on leave? How huh? long were you on leave when, when Ted was born? Oh, only about two weeks. Yeah, it was... We had just gone down to Mississippi, uh, Camp Shelby, Mississippi, and uh, her, uh, Wilma, who was Wilma, your niece? No, Wilma was your, your sister-in-law. Yeah, our sister-in-law. My mother's sister. She called me and said that uh, the Red Cross had got me a leave, and, and I come home then mm-hmm. for, uh, I think I was... 12-day leave or something like that. The baby was born and that. So then you went back to Mississippi. Went back to Mississippi again. To, to was that um, boot camp? Hmm? Was that boot camp? Yeah, boot camp. Yeah, yeah taking basic. Basic training. Basic training, yeah. So uh, at what point did you, uh, did you go overseas? Overseas? Uh... It was around Christmas. They they took our outfit, and we we went from Mississippi to Louisiana, and building some bridges back in the swamps just for training. And from from Louisiana, we went all the way out to Yuma, Arizona, right on the California border. We thought, oh boy, we're going to Pacific, you know. They put us back on a train. We went all the way up to Boston. And from Boston, we left and went over to England. And uh, that was England until D-Day. Yeah, yeah we was over there a good while. We got over there. Must have been around Christmas time or something. Because we got over there. Our uh, company commander said, I want our boys to have 
uh, a camp with a, with uh, buildings and all. And he said, we've been sleeping out too much. He said, uh, so we got, we got a nice camp in Tidworth, England. It was a, a, a nice camp. And from there we left from D for, for D-Day. Well, we left Apps, uh, Southampton, I think, England. We, we crossed over to Channel, and I climbed on a rope ladder down off the ship to a landing barge, and then we went in on D-Day. And uh, it was mass confusion on D-Day. It was dead bodies laying around. Oh, it was terrible. I, I I just blocked some of it out because I remember that night they put us up in an apple orchard, and then uh, my buddy and I we were supposed to dig a foxhole, you know, and uh, we did, and uh, Germans strafed us and they dropped leaflets. They said. <laughs> You got 48 hours to get on your boats and go back to England, or we're going to push you right into the ocean. <laughs> did that, was that a, uh, was that a scare? Huh? How did you feel when you saw those? Did that make you feel afraid, or were you like, no, we're going to go get them? Oh, well, we're scared. We were scared. And that foxhole, I was at Tunnel, no atheists in the foxhole, were we? We sit up for us that night because they were strafing, you know, and we thought, we're going to get it, we're going to get it. But we were very fortunate. He was, he landed, you landed on, um, what beach did you land on? Because there were three. Omaha Beach. Omaha Beach, which took the most casualties yeah. of all the beaches. Yeah, it was a bad one, yeah. Um, the Americans came in on that beach and they had... You had a lot of casualties. Uh, oh, yes, we did. Um, they were shooting down on, on us from up on the top of the hill when we were down on the beach, you know. So the Germans and, and, were waiting for you. Huh? The Germans were waiting for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they looked like houses, but they were actually... Uh, uh, heavy enforcement like forts uh, they had built. Uh, yeah, to, to get us into. Yeah, I remember that. And so you spent the first night in a foxhole. Right. In an apple orchard. In an apple Talk orchard. about the hedges. That's so well, uh, the the uh, uh, French divided their their uh, forms in like hedgerows and like thickets like and the Germans would hide in that so well we fix them they got flamethrowers <laughs> and then they burned them out of there yeah they were the first time I seen a, a body that was burned up they shrink up like a, like a lump of coal with whatever flamethrowers hit them. Oh wow! Yeah. Because they were waiting for you, and they kept going up and yeah. watching for guys and picking them off. Yeah. 
The first big battle was St. Lowe. The Germans, uh, you know, sort of hold up there, and they uh, it put their tanks alongside the house. You wouldn't see them, you know. And they had their jeeps. They pulled an artillery piece in the back of them, and they had them zeroed that they could hit uh, a crossroads at a certain time of the day, you know, when they thought there would be traffic going by, they'd shove it. it was, they had what they called 88s. They were bigger than our guns. Our guns, our guns on the tanks were only 70-something, and they had 88 uh, artillery on their tanks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So was that, that first big battle... Uh, was St. Lowe. Was that a victory? Huh? Was that a victory? Was that a victory in St. Lowe? Oh, so yeah. What happened in St. They Lowe? leveled St. Lowe. They, they Air Corps come over, and they bombed it. They, it was nothing there but foundations. There's a picture of it. So, uh... uh the rubble. Our outfit got... That's we had to clear the roads because... You couldn't get through. It was rubble and that from the buildings and all over the roads. So our, our outfit, engineering outfit, they had a bulldozer and they pushed it off. So um, after after the first, uh, I guess after a while of having uh, success and and victory pushing in, how did how did that feel? Oh, we were scared, all right. Uh, oh, you mean... How'd you feel in St. Lowe? He, he talks Saint, a lot about the devastation. Yeah, St. Lowe was the first big battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they... Talk uh, about the animals that were killed. The oh, smell. yeah, they... Cattle. And the, and the hedgerows. At night, you know, you, you slept in your foxhole. You didn't get out of your foxhole. If you had a... If you had a piddle or something, you did it in your helmet. You didn't get out of that foxhole. Anyway, they put guards like around the the perimeter of the, of the orchard where we were sleeping in, and they heard something move on that, and they said, "Who's there?" And didn't answer. And say, "Open up with a machine gun." It was a cow. <laughs> they shot a cow. The French. The French but I, I had a, a a buddy who could speak fluent French, and he he used to tell the, the French, "Oh, don't worry, the Americans will pay for all your stuff that we'll blow it up and that after the war. We'll we'll fix it up for you." <laughs> so they used to get us that that good wine and that. <laughs> So the people in in, in France. France were very thankful. Oh yeah, very nice people. Now here's an actual chow line. Oh wow! Yeah, that was. I was the cool. first one, and 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 I serving. They usually put the the meat with the with the first the first cook. So if you let everybody dig in. You wouldn't have no no meat left at the end of the line, so, <laughs> so I used to sure. I used to have my cut 
cutting my meat out 200 pieces, and then he gave each one a piece. Oh, wow. So otherwise, uh, uh, yeah, that was discharge papers. So what what them. happened was they'd get volunteers to work the line for each one. It was in a pot like. So to finish the story about how you got to Normandy, because they don't normally take cooks to the front lines, you know, when they're doing that. So tell them what happened. Well, how you got to how you got to uh, go in the first. Oh. When we when we got on the train, when I first got in the service, where they said you're gonna be engineers. I said, "Oh boy, we're gonna ride trains." We thought we're gonna ride trains. <laughs> but uh, we got down there, and we got Camp Shelby, Mississippi. We all stood out, and the com commander got up on a platform. And he said, "Now he says we got a lot to learn, and uh, we gotta, you know." He says so. What I'm going to do, he said, who wants to drive truck? You can stand over here. Who wants to be in the supplies? You stand over there. Who's going to, you know, each? And he finally said, uh, and who's going to be a cook? I put my hand up. I looked around. I was going to put his hand up for the cook. <laughs> so that's how I got the big cook. Oh, wow. And then they sent you to school. Yeah, they sent me a cooking and baking school. For three months. But how did you get to Normandy, though? As you were a cook, and then how did that happen? About they asked for a volunteer. Yeah, they, they said you were going to go over on D Day, and I said I said I would go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this, is, this is a Dutch family over there. That you lived with. That, that we left them. Well, what they did in the war, come winter, Eisenhower said, our boys ain't sleeping out in the cold in the winter. He said, you go into town, the people on this side of the high, uh, uh, road, they have to move in with the other side, and we got their, their buildings. So we had their uh, houses in that, and in they... The, uh, in the winter, so, so that was they a. They made their way through the net. They went through hot Netherlands and Germany. Mm -hmm. They yeah. slept in people's homes. Oh wow! In the towns as they came in because they, Eisenhower said they're not sleeping in tents. Yeah, they're going to sleep in people's homes. And we so. took over the schools, for their for their lunches. For the kitchen. For so. the kitchen. So they took over. They took over the town, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so this family, he stayed with, and during they yeah. were in the Netherlands, and got to know them really well. And um, a lot of the families, you said, um, were really good with the, uh, really very nice to the American troops. Oh, they, yes, they were. The Dutch, and, the, and they welcomed them, and they welcomed them into their homes. Okay. And so they even wrote to my dad after the war. Um, and Yeah, this family here invited me to a wedding for one of their wedding. daughters so Wait, sorry, after I, the did, war. Do you mind repeating that? The, uh, at the, I forget the name of them. 
but they wrote to me a couple of times after the war, and I never answered them. Hmm. So they invited you to a wedding? Yeah, to one of their daughters got married, and uh, they invited me to the wedding. So what were the um, what were the uh, the locals like over there? Oh, I got they were very nice people. So what was it like when you would go into though the German towns? So they were going into Germany towards the end. Oh. And what were the German homes like? Well, we weren't we weren't allowed to talk to the Germans. Well, once we got into Germany, and, and you, you know, you met some people, and they said you're not allowed to talk to them, fraternize with them. They said that there's a fifty dollar fine if they catch you talking to them. A fifty dollar fine for just yeah. talking to a German. Talking to the German people, so uh, we didn't we didn't bother with them. Well, you said also about you told me the story about the Luger. Huh? About a Luger that a lot of the guys wanted to to get a Luger, you know, a German Luger over there. Oh yeah, well, they all had the idea, boy, to get that. The, the, the Luger guns are nice guns, you know, and uh, they were all looking for them and that. And uh, the company commander said, "I'm going to tell you guys something. The Germans, if they catch you with a German Luger." They figured you killed a German to get that gun, so they're gonna kill you. They said so. Don't be don't be carrying a lot of the German stuff with you. Did you ever do that? Did you ever carry anything? Huh? With you? Did you ever carry anything with you? I had a, a, a rifle, and I was gonna send it home, and I had packed it all up and that send it. They sent it back to me. They said you left the you left the bolt in the, in the rifle, and you can't. You're not allowed to ship it home with the bolt. And I, uh, I'm tired of wrapping <laughs> it. So. German memorabilia. He's got the German. Apparently, you found stuff. He said when they would go into German homes, they would say, "Oh, not German, not." What would they say? I forget how you said that. When you would go in, they would say they weren't. Oh they weren't yeah, Nazi. we're all Nazi. We not we're Nicks Nazis. And you'd open the cupboard door, and there'd be German uniforms hanging out. <laughs> you know they were lying. So going back a little bit, um, talking about how you were a cook, you said, and you got like volunteered to be on the boats. On the first line? Yeah, uh, uh, across, you mean to go over uh, D-Day, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah why don't you yeah. tell me about that again? They, they said they're not going to take the kitchen over, but they said they need one cook to pass out rations, maybe make coffee later on, and stuff like that. So he said to me, he said, you're the ranking guy in the kitchen, he said, would you go over? And I said, yeah, I'll go. So that's how I went on D-Day. So, um, let's see what I have here. Okay. So you were a combat engineer too, though. Why don't you tell me about, um, what was what was your role as a combat engineer? What did you do? 
I cooked. And I, and I used to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and set up. Do you ever see how they, they cook breakfast? Of garbage cans. And they have a heater that they can set down in the water and a, a gasoline. And you drop a match down in there and it lights and it heats that water up real quick. So I used to go out in the morning. You, you go out into a field. You don't do that right where the guys are. And you set up one, one garbage can for garbage, then one for uh, one for the water, and you get a, uh, one for soapy water, and one for clear water, and then coffee. And they, they all had mess kits. They no dishes. You ever see their mess kits? No. Oh, they're nice. They're like a rond. Pan, and they have two two sides on each side, and you open them up, and the handle you you, uh, you slide your uh, spoon and your fork o over the handle, and you dunk the whole thing in the hot water, and then in the clear water, and that's that's how you did your dishes. No no dishes. So that's clean. Yeah, it was, it was clean. It was clean. And it's Because so water, we had soapy water, and it would be bubbling oil over, you know, and then you dunk, dunk your, it had the handle on, you just dunk them in the water and make them nice and clean. So, um, let me go. Tell them how you um, cooked in the back of a truck. Yeah, one of our, one of our guys was a carpenter. And I had three stoves and the gasoline stoves. They were very efficient, the gasoline stove. And they made, they made them uh, tied up against the back of the truck. And I could cook while, while they were driving. Because so the pans had tops on them that were like sealed. And, and you had to fire on them, and you could cook while you're moving. Oh wow! So just as you were going down the road, you could be making you, the next you meal. Make, make a meal, and our outfit was lucky. See, the the, the army has three or four different, uh, what they call A ration, B rations, C rations, K rations. And I, we got the best. We got A rations because I don't know why we did, but we always had to, like we'd get fresh vegetables and meat and that, but no, no, no fancy stuff. No, no cakes or pies or anything like that. You never got that. Probably a little too hard to cook on the go. Yeah. Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, but they had spaghetti and they had beans and uh, stuff like that. Staple furniture, uh, uh, food, and we had coffee. Two two big pots of coffee. One was one had sugar in with it. When the other one had milk in, and you had your coffee. I don't know what the where they got their coffee, but it was the best tasting coffee. Well, you said when you threw your grounds out, what would people do? Oh, the French. We were in the dumping, dumping the the. Uh, Grounds, and they said, oh, don't dump them. Give them to me. 
They were taking the, the, the used coffee grounds and I guess boil them again. They would reuse the coffee grounds the next day? Yeah, uh, they, were, they were reusing the grounds. They were reusing the coffee grounds that we had used. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But you had, you said it was the best tasting coffee you've ever had? Huh? You said it was some of the best tasting coffee? Oh, it was. It was good. I, I, I never tasted coffee like that again. It, it was really light like. You just, we had a... a it was instant coffee, right? A, more or less, yeah. You it dumped was, it them. It was light, yeah. like you said. Huh? You said it was light, like. Yeah, the the, the uh, it wasn't like coffee grounds. It, it seemed like it was some kind of uh, white stuff. Like hmm. it was different. It was uh, different. But boy, it was really good. Even the guys said they got to have their coffee in the morning. So that many years later, you still remember the taste of the coffee. Mm -hmm. I said, you still remember the taste of the coffee this many years later. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, I just have a, a couple more, um, like, key questions I wanted to ask you, John. And I did have, like, one key question for you, too. I'm oh, ask okay. Me a bit, so. Um, so going, like, way back to, um, let's think about, like, joining the military for the first time. Uh -huh. um, so, like, I guess when you went to uh, enlist... Uh, for the first time, what was on your mind? What was, um, if you remember, like, your thoughts on, like, why you were... Well, I, I worked in, in a pipe mill, and they come to me right before, you know, I was... And they said, uh, you, you're going to get drafted, they said, but we can, we, can, we can get you an exemption for working in the steel mill. Do you mind if I um? Do you mind if I have you start over on that story real quick? I'm sorry. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> do you she mind said start over. Oh. He wants to hear it. My, yeah. my phone went off. Well. So going yeah going back to what just a couple minutes ago um so let's just start from when, when they they come into the pipe mill I was working and they said uh, you're going to get drafted into the service. Well, uh, do you want us to try to get you an exemption for working in a mill? And I said, no, I'll go. So that's how I went. But I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> so you you could have been exempted, but you chose not to? That's right. So yeah. what, were you, what were you feeling? What were you feeling was like... Um, I thought it would be an adventure, you know. I thought it'd be something different than working in a mill, and uh, I don't know. I, I was young and foolish. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of a similar question, jumping to uh, the very end of the war. So, um, do you remember where you were at when uh, the Germans surrendered and yeah, victory was declared? There's a picture in there somewhere. The, our outfit built the last bridge of the war. It was across the Elbe, and we were only 30 miles from Berlin. But we had, the United States had an agreement with uh, the Germans, with the Russians, that they could take Berlin. We would not take Berlin. We let the, German, uh, the Russians take Berlin. 
And I met I met the Russians there at the pontoon bridge, and uh, they was even have women in their tanks, in the in the Russian tanks, and they were waving at us, but we weren't allowed to go over. But the, there was something like they said like thirty thousand German prisoners were waiting that that they wanted to come over and uh, surrendered to us. They didn't want the Russians to get them because the Russians took the rings off their fingers and everything. And, and, and they were afraid of the Russians, what they'd do. So they knew, you know, we'd treat them right. In fact, after the war, they sent their outfit back to uh, La Havre. That's a, a French port that the ship was home. But there was too many to ship all, all at once, so they made it a, a point system, and I, I had I had a lot of points because you got a you got a, a five points for a, a, a baby if you had a, a wife and a baby, and another five points for the Bronze Star, and the, so much service you had in. And I had something like ninety five points, so. They took me out of my outfit that was at La Havre, waiting to go home, and took me all the way back to Germany. And I wonder what the heck they do. They said, well, we got to make a civilian out of you. And they took all my clothes, and I got new uniforms, and we shipped from Germany all the way down to the bottom of France on the... Uh, uh, Mediterranean Sea. What's in the, what was the name of that big town on the, uh, uh, there? We we left from there then, and I didn't get home about a month or so ahead of the other guys. <laughs> I could have stayed with my own guy. <laughs> so you had a little extra adventure there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let's see what else I want to ask. Oh, okay, so you were talking a little bit earlier about, um, and it, I, I, it's, it's apparent to me from, you know, listening to your story and having you tell me things that, you know, there was some adventure, but there was, there was a lot of, you know, hard times, and you saw a lot. Um, so there was a lot of, like, fear and difficulty. Um, so when you were, like, afraid of what was going to happen, um, and it was a really hard time, what do you feel got you through that? What do you feel kept you, like, together? How do I feel? He wants to know, during the times where you were afraid, oh. during the war, how did you get through those times? Um, well, I did a lot of praying. Yeah, yeah. In fact, when, when I used to get up for breakfast, you know, you had to go out in the field and put these garbage cans, set them up. I went and bought a, a pistol, carried it. Because they said they carried a rifle. I said, I don't too heavy and bulky in that. I want a pistol. So I bought a, I bought a pistol. Because you were afraid to go out. In oh, that yeah, field it's in dark. It was dark and. You're out in the, in the you don't know, you, Yeah, you didn't know what was out there. Mm -hmm. Could be anything out there in the dark. Yeah. By yourself. Yeah. But you made it. You made it through. 
Yeah. Here you are. He didn't get wounded even. I mean, no, I didn't get wounded. You didn't I was... get any any injuries? <laughs> no. No. You were very very fortunate. Uh, very fortunate. There were people in your in your company who didn't make it back, right? Yeah. Yeah. There and one of their things was they built bridges. And he has a picture of that last bridge called the Truman Bridge. Hmm. Um, but you also said that your your company cleared mines. Yeah, that was our roads. job to clear minefields. And uh, and some of them got blown up doing that. Oh, yeah. They had the, what they call bouncing betties. If you tramp on them, it bunts up as far as your knees, and then it'd blow, and it'd blow your knees off, blow your legs off. And if, if you tramped them on, you were dead because uh, there was enough explosives to, you know. How about when they, you were talking about the Germans would put things in the river? Up the river, about a half mile up the river, they'd have riflemen standing along and uh, they'd shoot any boxes or anything that would float down the river because they'd know they're trying to blow a bridge up. So they So there were lots there was lots of people that didn't make it home, like his cousin. He was very close to that cousin. He where how did Henny die? Burkhart. Did he die in France? Who uh your cousin Henny. Yeah, he died in France. They said that he should have got some kind of decoration because the guys were pinned down and they said he ran up with a, a, a satchel with explosives and threw it into the pillbox mm -hmm. and blew the pillbox up. But meantime, they shot him. Mm -hmm. So, so him and his cousin were really close. Mm -hmm. But they that that wasn't he wasn't in our outfit. He wasn't a different outfit. Yeah, yeah he didn't have. But a lot of you you had a brother who was also in. So there was a lot of people he grew up with that were a lot all, of, that all volunteered. Do you want to hear about the one place that blowed up a whole bunch of men? Okay. It was at the Battle of the Bulge, and uh, there was a river there, and their outfit was supposed to plant anti-tank mines on this side of the river in case they crossed the river and, you know, blow their tanks up. So anyway, they, this uh, our outfit, this one company was driving the truck down with all these, ta with all these here tanks, uh, uh, mines on. And the Germans had a lucky shot. They landed right in that truck and all the mines went up at one time. And I think there was five, 15 guys there and they were all blown to bits. He found pieces of his fingers and stuff like that. That's how bad it was. All of them there are tank mines, anti-tank mines blew up. Wow. Yeah. All at once. Boy, the ground shook when that. I was like, the river was here and there was a, a, a bank up on here and I was uh, helping the machine gunner uh, garden it like, and uh, he seen them hit, uh, shooting them tanks going. He said the ground shook. Mm. Um, let's see, 
Well, I guess I don't know if I necessarily have any more actual questions for you. Uh, do you have anything else that you feel like you'd uh, want to add? No, we 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 made we made the uh, yeah. It's so it's it's focusing on. We on made the last bridge of the war. Roosevelt had died, and they named it the Truman Bridge across the river. Where was that? That was at the end of the war. That was at thirty uh, some miles from Berlin. That's where we met the Russians. There's a picture of it in there somewhere, ain't there? I'll get it. The last last bridge of the war. So they were all over Europe. Um, if you read this thing that David found, it's a really interesting um, chronology of that invasion and some of the things that they. This thing right here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, definitely going to really be looking detailed. I was, uh, I, there was a lot, Dad said he learned some things reading it because, you know, it was the whole... Yeah. Yeah. Um, your knowledge of uh, your father's history um, and everything that he experienced and went through, like, did you, do you feel like you knew a lot of it growing up or was it kind of like mm -hmm. a slow, like, trickle, you know, as you're getting... Well, um... When I was growing up, I knew my father was in the war, of course, but that was it. Um, we never talked about that time in his life. Um, he never talked about um, his service. Um, and we knew there were pictures and whatnot, but he really, and he said they were told to go home, pick up your lives, and you don't talk about it. Um, that was kind of their way of saying, you're back a civilian, you're, you, you know, and he came back to a wife and a, a son. And so he was expected to go back to work and pick up his life where he left off. And um, what happened over there was not, was not part of what he talked about. Um, so um, I never knew my father was in any of these wars or any of these battles. Um until the movie Saving Private Ryan came out. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, but I rented the movie one time, and we're sitting here, and we're watching this. And I said, we were watching it, and I said to my dad, wow, that looks really like it was an awful time. And he said, it was. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was there. And you were just like... I said, you were at Normandy? I never knew that. And how old were you when that happened? Oh, this was, what, 10 years ago that movie came out? Same, I think... Maybe like, 15? I think more like 15 or 20. I'm trying to think, like, Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah, so 15, yeah, 20 years ago. ago. And I then I said, well, I never knew you were at Normandy Landing and D-Day and none of that. And so um, I started asking him more questions. And over time, and since he's lived with me now for the last four years, I've had more opportunity. Um, but none of my siblings knew that either. Even my older brother, um, who you know was born right before the war, we had no idea that he had been in all these wars. I said, as I said, I I never knew he had the Bronze Star until just recently, and. Um, 
he never talked about, you know, I knew he was a cook. That was it. I never knew that he was in combat engineers. And your bronze star, aren't yeah, you? my sister has his bronze star, but um, so I think that that's pretty typical of, from what I understand, of um, veterans that came back from that war. They 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 were they were hailed as heroes, but they were they did not talk about their service, what happened, and even if you read in that in that narrative. Um, they didn't talk about being afraid. They didn't talk about their um, fears or any of that. And that generation, they just didn't. Uh, that's why when you ask him questions like, how did he feel? That wasn't, you know, you didn't talk about how you felt. Mm. That, was, that was not seen as um, manly. That was not seen as, you know, you didn't talk about how you felt. You just did what you needed to do. Army life is so different, you know. Right, yeah. You can't, you can't believe how they live. So, you know, he was young, and like he said, he thought it would be an adventure. He thought as engineers he was going to be driving a train, for heaven's sakes. So they had no idea, no idea. But he got to see parts of the world, you know, that he probably would have never seen, um, and experiences that... Um, I think shaped him, but they were a different generation. They were a generation that came out of the depression. Uh, my father, you know, was the oldest of nine children, um, and grew up during the depression and was a very poor family. So he knew what hard times was. So I think, in some ways, you were you were more resilient than maybe other people. I remember how long we stayed in England before we went for D Day. I, but I bought a bicycle over in England, a nice drive over bicycle. Yeah, he talks about and, was uh, on the train in England and saw parts of England before they went over. And then buses, I could ride them free because I had a uniform, you know. Mm-hmm. Did they have the uh, the two-level, the double-decker buses back then? Or yeah, they had still the double-double. Yep, yep, rode the train, talked one, the train. one story about being on leave oh, and... Yeah. And, and fell asleep on the train and missed his stop and ended up way far away from his camp. Oh, my gosh. And had to ride the train back and then was late coming back. And what your what did your commander say to you when you walked in? Well, the company, when you were late. commander come in there, he says, I come back for you. He said, we're out there building bridges. He said, if I didn't need you cooking, he said, I'd have you out digging a ditch. <laughs> For being late, <laughs> but but I, I think that you know while he was I was gone. So the outfit had to so come back for him. But the thing is, is that those are stories that you know, and uh, perhaps too, just the older he gets, he you know reflects more on his life um, at a hundred and two. Do you feel like you? Um, do you feel like you know him better or in a different way? I oh, guess after hearing all these. Yeah, stories? yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think um, just appreciating the sacrifice, you know. I mean, he left his wife and a new baby to go off to a war. He had no idea where yeah, he was I going. I really bad about that. Um, he said it was the hardest thing um, to leave. I did was. So, I mean, it was hard for him to leave my mother and... Um, but there's a sense of duty there, and um, 
yeah, patriotism, that uh, it's a generation that was very different.